So as I said, we're beginning a new series titled How to Bless Your Neighbor. I want to give credit where credit is due. Community Christian Church, which is a church out of Naperville and has some national influence, began uh, to work this, these practices, kind of this idea and model. So much of what we're going to teach in really these next six weeks, we want to give credit to their origination of. And I just didn't want to miss that as we begin. Before we get started, I want you to think back uh, to when you were a kid and think of the books or the stories that you listened to that were meaningful for you. For some of us, that's not a long look back. You can think about it as adults, maybe things you read to your own kids as well. Just kind of think back on those. Here in the room, you can think about that. If you're watching online, you're welcome even to just to post, hey, here was a book I loved. You know, like for me growing up, it was the whole uh, Green Eggs and Ham. That was a book we read regularly. With my kids, it was Where the Wild Things Are. You know, we had those books. Sometimes they had meaning and purpose. We had a whole series of books that I remember taught kids things that uh, one of the characters I remember was Sleater the Cheater. I can't even remember the rest of the book, but the whole thing was kind of dogging him for cheating and, and the whole idea of having ethic. You know, we, we teach things through that growing up. And I say that because uh, there, there were these stories that were given really quite a long time ago, uh, and they were given primarily to teach principles, and they were moved from stories for adults to stories for children because they were so impacting. The group of them are called Aesop's Fables, if you haven't heard of them. And there are many of them, but there was one in particular for me that was really meaningful that's always stayed with me. And the story backdrop is to do with two powerful entities. It's a story that's supposed to tell something that we can understand, and it's the north wind and the sun. And the north wind and the sun, they're arguing, having a competition about who's more powerful, and they decide to actually have a competition, and they see this man down below with a coat on and a hat, and they say, well, let's see who's really more powerful. Let's figure out and find out who's powerful enough to get him to take his coat off. So as they begin this battle, this conversation, the north wind then immediately uh, begins to say, I'll go first because they're full of wind. And they blow the wind at the man, beginning to make it difficult to keep his coat on. And as it becomes more and more difficult, the man actually closes up more and more and does all that he can to keep it on. And the stronger the north wind goes, the more he hunkers down. In fact, to a point where it's a gale force wind and he can't even hold his own, but he keeps it on anyway as he slides down the road or the way. The north wind is very frustrated. It didn't win the battle and the sun says, well, just step back and let me have a try. And the sun just steps out and begins to warm the area. And as the warmth comes over the man, ultimately it becomes warm enough that he takes the coat off. That's the way the story ends. And there's a picture for us in it in that oftentimes we want to demand and push people to something. We do that today more than ever, don't we? We argue and debate and simply kind of move at each other like a bag of wind. And yet what God calls us to do is to bring the warmth of his love to those around us. The story itself really gives picture to the very mission we're called to, to be radically loving and growing together in Christ. That we say we experience the love of Christ, the warmth and the welcome home. I mean, such a love that comes to us and says, here you are in the darkest part of your life. Let me show you my love and let me die and forgive you for it and let me give you new life. That's incredible radical love. We describe it as God meeting us on the shores of our failure and showing us that love and then calls us to do the same for others. 
Now, I tell you that because we would agree missionally that's our call as a church is to be his hands and feet, to love others this way. And that's really what we're going to get into is how we do that in this series. But I want to stop for a minute before we go there. You see, over the last six, really the last eight months, we have been on a trajectory as a leadership walking through how we actually love people that are far from him, how we have relationships with those that don't know him. One of the exercises we did both with the board and with the staff was ask this question, how would we rate ourselves as people of outreach? And really, all the way around, we gave ourselves fairly high marks because we have a lot of programs that do that. But then we said, now what happens if we pull the programs back? How would we then rate ourselves? And there was kind of a hush each time over the room when we said, you know what? I don't know that we're personally living it out. I think we rely on a program to do this. And I'll tell you, it caused us to push back, at least for me, and I think it did for the team to go, wait, am I personally living what I'm actually calling people to? And I say that because I think even as a church, we have prided ourselves over the years as being people that reach out, but we've often held that to a program and not said, how do I do this? And maybe it's even, I don't think I can do this. And so I want us to begin, as we enter this series, just realizing something. Do you know that God made you to reach people? In, in fact, I want you to say that. I'm made to reach people. Go ahead and say that. Man, that sounded good. There are people only I can reach. Say that. God made me exactly how he wants me. I want you to understand, and our hope in this series is that we get awakened to being people that reach people, not programs we simply invite people to. And with that in mind, what we want to do is kind of give an overview this week of where we're going. And then in the next five weeks, each week, we're going to give you a tool, a way that you can grow in this mission we're called to, to be radically loving and growing together in Christ. I want to take you back to begin our time to the call of Abram. This is the beginning of the nation of Israel and how God calls him and what it means for us. This is what it says in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and the peoples on the earth, all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Now I want to begin giving you just a simple picture here. He tells him to go from where he is to a new place. It's take a step. And I want you to be reminded what you will be invited to do by God is always to take a step out. It'll always be to do something you haven't done, to move towards people, to move to a way you don't know and a new way of living. And that's what we're asking you to do. Just take a step. We don't know what it'll all be. We don't know what we'll all lead, but we know God will invite you. He will call you out, not simply to say, oh, that's a nice thing to think about, but God's inviting you to live in a different way, to become people of his kingdom, not programs that invite people to come to you. Now that's where it begins, but what I want you also to see is what is so emphasized in this passage. Do you see how many times one word is said? 
It's the word bless. I will bless you. I'll make you great. I will, you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and you'll, the whole world will be blessed through you. Now, I want you to understand this idea of blessing is central to how God moves. Bless, in the, in the Hebrew, this word baruch literally means to really to kneel down. It's a physical representation, though. When you bless, you are seeking all that you can to elevate the object of your blessing. It's not worshiping, although related to God it is. It's simply by looking at it that way. It's what can I do to build you up? What can I do to bless you means how do you make more full the life of the person in front of you? That's what God is inviting them to become are these people a blessing, to do something wonderful. Now, where it finishes is that others will be blessed through you. In other words, you receive in order to give. There's a picture I was given of this some years ago when I was growing up, a wonderful prophetic picture. It was an image of God pouring out his very presence on his people, and the way it looked was like pouring out honey. Now, do you, do you like honey? How many of you like honey? We all like honey. I like honey so much. I, when I go to the place I go to get tea at the coffee shop I go, I ask for a lot of honey to such a degree that they actually call me Winnie the Peat. Now, at first, that sounds nice. But after a while, you're like, I don't think I want to be related to Winnie the Pooh. But I love honey. That's all I was getting at. It's an interesting thing. In this picture this person gave, the honey was poured out. And then the idea was that the, the people of God were to pass out the honey they were given. Like, they were more of a conduit. We get it, we pass it. We get it, we pass it. And in this picture, after a while, the people who were getting it said, I like it just for me. And they began to kind of cut the passing off, but they found over time that it stopped coming when they stopped giving. Because they had missed the fact that we were meant to receive so that we give. That's the principle of blessing. We are blessed to bless. We receive to give. This is a really important principle because it becomes central even to Jesus' teaching. In fact, when we look at the beginning, one of the most important messages he gives on the Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, he begins just with the idea of blessed. And he kind of turns it upside down. He talks about, in each one, how those that seem they have nothing are given great things. In other words, the way of God is to bless those most in need. The poor in spirit get the kingdom. The mourning are comforted. The meek inherit the earth. The hungering, thirsting for righteousness, you actually eat, you get filled in it. The merciful are shown mercy. The pure in heart see God. The peacemakers are the ones that are called children of God. And those who are even persecuted gain even more from it. He's giving this picture of the way of the kingdom, that it's a way of blessing, of giving to those most in need, of turning things upside down. And if you don't realize this, if you just read through the Gospels, you will realize Jesus pours out blessing all along the way. From the miracles that he does, blessing people by lifting them up and changing the trajectories of their lives to the way he interacts and dispenses his love in words and in actions, Jesus' model and motto is one of blessing. There's one beautiful case, even in Mark chapter 10, at this time in history, kids are seen as property, not really of value, and families are bringing their kids to Jesus, and the disciples are saying, keep them back, he's got better things to do. And basically, Jesus' response is, don't stop them, bring them. And then it says, he lays his hands on them, and he blesses them. It's the way of Jesus to pour out 
onto others. It's the way we're invited to respond in the very same manner. And I want you to begin to consider the power of blessing, that there's something to this that God wants to do. And in case you would say, well, that's Israel, that's not us, let me take you to Galatians. This is the early church, and this is what Paul says as it relates to Abraham. He says, understand then, those who have faith are children of Abraham. In fact, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles, that's the people who aren't Jews, the rest of the world, by faith. In other words, we believe in what God has actually done through Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. It was something he said early that would make full shape when Jesus came. All nations will be what? Blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, I want this to be a root for us as we go into this series, this role of you and I are called to bless. That's the gist of all of this for us in great and small ways. But let me give you a picture of this from a larger story. Mark Russell, some years ago, did a study and wrote a book about businesses on mission. When he did this, they took two groups of six businesses that were going to Thailand that were being missional, that were being Christian. The first set of six did something unique. They decided they were gonna go there and their first priority would be to help the people there. They would go there and they would bring new ideas to the business, they would bring new jobs, they would hire as many Thai people as they could and they would do everything to help the culture and the people there. Now as a secondary goal, they would also say we want them to discover who Jesus is. Primary goal is helping, secondary goal is Jesus. There was another group of six who said we're going but our primary goal is to help them discover who Jesus is, to convert them. And then our secondary goal will be to do all of these business principles. Now, when the two years got done and the study was all over, this first group, not surprisingly, was very effective at enhancing the economy there, of really building into locals, of becoming part of the culture, and changing many things in the world around them. The second part, though, was surprising. You see, they went back and they looked at how many people came to faith through the two groups of businesses. They called the first group, by the way, the blessers, and the second group, the converters because their first group's priority was doing everything they could to lift up and build up. The second was lead them to Jesus. 48 to one, the blessed group led, that was the ratio difference. Over two years, 96 people came to faith through that first set of businesses and two through the second. What they found over this was, by being people of blessing, they learned to love, to care for, and to invest in the people around them. And by doing that, sharing faith was a natural outplay because they loved and cared for and knew and built trust with. The first group had a mission to convince and it didn't have the same impact at all. I I tell you that because I want you to realize the power of blessing. We are not here to be a north wind. We are not here to breathe and blow everything we can at people to convince them. We are here to be blessing people like the sun that warm them up and reach them in a manner of love and relationship. When I look back at my own Christian life, this really uh, was impacting to me some years ago. I ended up 
Uh, I had gone through, I would have been the poster child of a volunteer for the church I attended. They, I'd done all the things we were supposed to. I learned how to share my faith. I learned how to share my story. And then I went out and tried to convince people. And I remember this one guy I helped lead to Christ and I was really pumped, it worked. And then the next thing that happened was I realized he was living with his girlfriend and Christians weren't supposed to do that. So what do you think the first thing I told him to do after he was following Jesus? You need to move out. And he was done, he left. He was done with me. And I look back on that and go, I'm not even talking about right and wrong. I'm saying I didn't have a relationship or know or care about his circumstance. It was just something I thought I was supposed to do. And I guess I'm starting with us to this time to say, I want us to move towards people with one simple motive. We're gonna know them and bless them. And the other things will follow and the practices we're gonna share with you will help that. But we begin from a posture of actually knowing and blessing them. Now, now make no mistake, little things change people. You know, I've had plenty of these in my own life, but I was remembering back, I spent uh, five years doing clinical social work with a bunch of teenagers that had been severely abused. Um, And oftentimes the foster families I worked with had that. And I had one story that's always stayed with me. It was a foster mother who'd spent her whole childhood being beaten and abused and lived in a horrible environment. And I asked her one time what kept her going. And she said, you know, one day I walked into class and my teacher smiled at me. And somehow I felt like I was worthy for the first time. Now, she had a lot more go on, but that one little act of blessing turned her life. And here's the crazy part. When I began to talk to these teenagers, I began to hear many stories like that of small events where people blessed them. And I started to realize, man, just pouring into people makes a difference. What we're asking you to do, although we'll give you skills and get to all this, and what I want you to begin with is a very simple thing. I want you in moment by moment in the coming week just to ask the Holy Spirit, how can I bless, put, fill in the blank right now? How can I just in this moment do something that will encourage, that will help, that will meet them with what they need? And believe me, there will be moments the Spirit may lead you and have something specific. There might just be places where you are just positive and encouraging. It's been interesting for me. I wish I could share more with my current friendships, but they're my friendships, and I always feel a little bit like I'm, I'm kind of uh, putting them out in front of you in a way I don't want to. But one of the things I have regularly found, and maybe it's because I like to give words of encouragement anyway, but when I see things, and which is what I ask God to give me, will you help me see things in them? Like I, I'll have a friend where I see a discernment strength, or I see the way they want to be towards a spouse, or. Just those words of encouragement and blessing, I have been amazed at how that changes for people. And I simply wanna say, you have the power to change the world around you one simple act at a time through blessing people. That's the principle around us. If we learn to bless and love people, and make no mistake, this has been the shift for me. I'm not no longer trying to convince people to follow Jesus out of kind of a principle-centered idea These people are becoming my friends that I love and care about. And what I find is in all of their struggles, it sounds silly, but Jesus is actually the answer. (laughs) Like I want them to know Jesus because I wanna help them, because I love them, because they're my friends. 
And I go, what we want to give you are five simple practices that we're going to cover in the next five weeks that we know will help you move towards lives where you are actually changing and ministering and reaching the people around you that God has made you to do. Because we don't want to be a church of just programs. We want to be people that reach people. And, and here's the, the thing for me. It both as it serves because it changes life and the world around us, but it also mobilizes all of you. Like any one of you think you can't do it, you are just wrong. I'm not asking you to be an extrovert if you're an introvert. Maybe it'll be less people, but it will be people. Maybe you'll have deeper conversations. Maybe you'll have deeper relationships. That's what you'll have. It's being who you are and blessing who's around you. And so what we want to do just to get started, this is the question you're asking, but we want to just kind of tell you where we're going in the next five weeks after this. So we use this word bless really as an acrostic, five tools, five behaviors, five ways of living that we know will help you to become people that know how to bless those around you. And the first one, just from the letter B, is to begin with prayer. That we know if we begin to pray that God will shift both what's happening around you and shift your own heart. And let me remind you, we'll get into this next week, but praying itself changes because when you pray for people, your heart for people changes. But also, the more you get to know them, the more you get to pray into specific issues. You're not just praying that they'll know Jesus. You're praying God would help their marriage. You're praying that God would help their circumstance. You're praying that God will meet them in their work environment. You're praying that God will help them with a the new diagnosis they just got. You are praying that God moves and gives blessing, and you're praying for them. And both you change and the circumstance changes when you pray. That's where we want you to start. That's what we're going to get into next week. The week after that is learning to listen, to actually listening to the people around you and begin to know how to ask questions, to hear their story, to become engaged in what's going on with them and develop a compassion that God has. And I want to be clear, because this has been modeled in a lot of places, to a place, listening becomes the hardest skill for people. Because let's be honest, we all like the sound of our own voice better and we all like to find ways to connect to what's being talked about. Learning to listen, wow. And by the way, just so you're clear, this is how Jesus lived. We know that every step he took, he always centered himself on prayer first. It was how he immersed himself. Even coming to have the disciples follow him, he first is alone with the Father for a whole evening praying. Then he calls them, and the first thing he does is call them to be with him, the same way we're to be with him. That's where it begins. He prayed over little and, and great things. Listening is one of the things, if you look through the Gospels, just even, here would be a simple picture. Oftentimes there's somebody that has a major physical problem, and Jesus asks, what, would, what do you want me to do? And we always think, well, it's kind of obvious. But what's happening is Jesus is going, I want to listen to what you really want. Tell me what you want me to do. Give a voice to what you long for. Let me hear from you. And if you watch his conversations, great and small, this is where he goes. Then the third one, and many of you would be happy with this, it's eating together. I know for me, I'm very happy about this. I'm not only Winnie the Pete, I'm Pete the eater. Apparently, I like to eat a lot, often. Oh, would you like to get, you want, uh, can I have a meal with you? The crazy thing is when we have meals together, we have more time together. When we have time together, we get to know each other. Conversations happen differently and relationships build greater. We want you to begin to get together and eat together with the people that you're learning to love and know and bless. We think something happens in that. And make no mistake, this is true of Jesus as well. As you look at his very life, he regularly gets with people that others say he shouldn't, but he often has meals with them. 
I mean, it's a beautiful thing. Zacchaeus, after he becomes a, he heads up having dinner with Jesus and his whole life, he moves from being selfish and stealing from others to I will give and repay and I will be a person who gives more and more and more because he receives blessing, he gives blessing. Very cool to watch in the stories. The next one is to learn to serve each other. And like I said, we'll get into more detail. We actually talked about this in the Art of Neighboring, which uh, Chip and Carol mentioned in that, that uh, video we began the service with. Uh, in the Art of Neighboring, one of the things we talked in the study is not only learning to serve others, but asking them for help. And one of the learnings for me has been, I often am willing to help others, but I'm not willing to ask for help. And you will find even in building a relationship, it, it becomes a beautiful better connected relationship as we ask for help as well as giving it. It's not meant to be a strategy. It's meant to be part of how we live. It's part of how we bless. We also receive and we give. And so serving is a part of this. And then the final one, we want you to learn to share your story. And make no mistakes, you will get to share your story out of relationship. That's very different than I'm preparing it as a tool so I can just say it to what I really want to know is how Jesus working in my life, the honey he gives to me, might be helpful to the people that I'm relating to, and my sharing my story is passing that out as well. We wanted you to get where we're going in the coming weeks. I want you to know as well, at allshores.org slash bless, we have some resources there for this series. There's a journal for adults. We have a teenage journal and a kid's journal. And so starting next week, you'll actually want to use them. You don't need to have them this week, but we wanted you to know about it. We also, for families, have an activity and a plan each week. And so we have these, uh, these little bags that have some fun things in them for these activities for families to do together with young kids as a way to begin to do this. Each week, there's an activity in here to kind of guide you through it. And on Wednesday nights at 7, we will have a Facebook live stream. It's about 15 minutes that has a little bit of teaching and then has you talk about questions as a family a little more and more questions and finishes up. It's a guided way to talk about it as a family and then to use these things wonderfully to help you engage in the week in that sphere as well. Let me tell you too, if you're here, you can get one of these today out in the lobby or out in the parking lot. If you're not able to be here, which many of you aren't, if you email mallory.wood at allshores.org, they will take the bags to you and do a, a really basically a contact-free drop-off to your home. You just have to let her know when you want that. I just didn't want to miss that of where we're going. Before I finish and pray, though, I want to remind you this week, as you're relating to others, just ask the Holy Spirit, how can I bless whoever's in front of you right now? And I just want you to begin to take steps because we're the mission, not a program. We love that we have programs and we think those should support the mission. But if we substitute that for the mission and we go, I like that my church does and we don't live it out, man, we're missing out on the mission God has for us, we're not being deployed and we're missing out on the many people you will reach by a life of blessing. It's my encouragement challenge to engage, to be here all six weeks, to watch online if you can't, but just to engage with us in this missional movement of these five practices together. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you that you've made each person here to reach people no one else will reach. I thank you that you pour out your blessing on them, that they wouldn't just receive it, but they would give it away. Lord, I pray for courage as we think we hear from you, even if we get it wrong, let us have courage just to step out and try. Little things, God, if they're encouraging words, if they're 
buying a cup of coffee, if they're stepping out to a conversation, whatever it is, lead us to become people of blessing. And God, I'm praying the honey will just be dispensed. That it will be given and it will be dispensed and we will see people not only have their lives enriched, but coming to know you as Lord and Savior through this call. Help us to be people of blessing and blessing our neighbors around us in your name. Amen.